verses 15 through 23, and I'm reading out of the New American Standard Bible. Now, when they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, tend my lambs. He said to him again a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, shepherd my sheep. He said to him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, tend my sheep. Truly, truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you used to put on your belt and walk wherever you wanted. But when you grow old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will put your belt on you and bring you where you do not want to go. Now he said this, indicating by what kind of death he would glorify God. And when he had said this, he said to him, follow me. Peter turned around and saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following them, the one who had also leaned back on his chest at the supper and said, Lord, who is the one who is betraying you? So Peter, upon seeing him, said to Jesus, Lord, and what about this man? Jesus said to him, if I want him to remain until I come, what is that to you? You follow me. Therefore, this account went out among the brothers that the disciple would not die. Yet Jesus did not say to him that he would not die, but only if I want him to remain until I come. What is that to you? for oh no 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 good morning how's everybody god bless your heart I'm, it's good to see you guys this morning uh first of all just let me to acknowledge my wife honey will you stand up please so people can see you that's my wife right there that's the funny one And witty. Yeah, okay, thank you so much for all that. <laughs> but I love my wife. You know, if you're married, husbands, you have a gift in a wife. God has blessed us to have an individual that comes alongside us and help us to be the men that God has called for us to be. So I am thankful that God deemed, worth, deemed me worthy to have a wife because uh, I never thought I had a family. As he was going through that list, well, God bless your heart. Yeah, Mom, you're awesome. Did you hear that? Yeah. And so, okay, that's enough over there to the right. But anyway, <laughs> but, but the aspect of it is all is that I never thought that I was worthy to have a wife. I never thought that I was valuable enough to have children, let alone grandchildren. One thing in that bio you don't have, we also have five great-grandchildren. Uh, that talks about my wife's age, but anyway. Uh, <laughs> we greet you in the mighty name. 
We greet you in the mighty name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And we just love all of you guys, man. This is home to us. This is family. We've been staying with Mike and Karen Sheffield. They have been loving on us. Thank you guys so much. My wife just fell in love with Karen and thinks she want to take her back home with us. But, uh, but Mike needs his wife. And so, oh, the dog. Oh, God bless it. Yeah, that's a big old dog. Listen, I'm just going to tell you this. Man, y'all taking up too much of my time. But we walked in the house, right, because we go through the, well, we went through the basement. I mean, through the, basement, through the garage. And we come in. And so the little bitty dog breed is first. The little bark, 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 you know. And then this great big old dog, roof, roof. I said, hold. <laughs> hold up. Mike. Mike. <laughs> yeah. But he's a friendly dog. He's a good dog. We're looking at John 21, right? John 21, verses 15 to 23. Uh, I, I like the title, there's the restoration of a fallen saint. And let's just put it like this. Every last one of us in here are fallen saints. And God wants to restore us. So one of the things that I shared the last uh, session, I'm going to share it right now. Put your name where Peter's name is. This is personal. This is about you. This is not about a whole big old crowd. This is about us. This is about me. This is about you personally and your relationship with God. How is that going? And so the thing about it is this. We're in a world that is a lot of confusion going on. A lot of chaos is happening. And we're looking at things and, and we're getting caught up in things. And, and if, if, if we're not careful, our nature becomes our primary influencer. And by doing so, we become to hate people and condemn people. Uh, we become to gossip and slander. But that's not the child of God. That is not that person that God is restoring. It is not that person that you just read up there that is molding and shaping us. That's a person who's living according to the world and by its nature. The church has to be this entity of people who have been restored by God. And that's just, that word restore is bringing back to its original intent. He wants us back in this intimate relationship that we have with him. I love when Jesus said, pray like this, our Father. Christianity is not a religion, it is a relationship. I ask this question often now, when did God become a religion? He never has. And we have to quit looking at Christianity as an organized religion. It is not. It is a relationship, an intimate relationship with our Father, who is the King. We are in his kingdom. We are now citizens of heaven. And he wants us to be ambassadors of heaven down here on this earth. Amen. We have a responsibility, and it's a personal responsibility. If I take this seriously and I live the way that he wants me to live, then I can influence the person next to me and the person this side of me, and I can influence people across the street. Even if I do so, if I do so, I must allow the Holy Spirit to do it. So when we take a look at this passage of Scripture, I want to go back a little bit so we can get a context of why Peter needs to be restored. In John chapter 22, not John, but Luke chapter 22, Jesus 
his telling Peter that Satan is demanding to sift you. And that word you is meaning all of them. Satan is our accuser. God uses Satan to help us to grow. To sift any wheat is to beat it violently. And God would allow us to go through trials and tribulations to help us to get better. But, but Jesus said to Peter that when you return, which means that you're going to fall, remember this, I have prayed for you. I have interceded and I have prayed for you. Never forget, Jesus has prayed for you. In John 17, he said, Father, not just these, the disciples that are around him right now, but those who will believe. That is us. Jesus has prayed for us that we will be sanctified, that we will be set apart from this world, that we will live a life according to heaven's standards based on the fact that we have been born again. All right? That makes sense? Just follow me as we go. And you can say amen anytime you get ready. Uh, <laughs> and so by doing so, when we get to the part that now Jesus has been arrested uh, and, and Peter is following behind Jesus at a distance. He's now taken in. And, and, and so Peter now is beginning this process of allowing his nature to take control. Because he was asked, wait a minute, wasn't you one of his disciples? And, and Peter said, no, no, I, I don't know the man. Second time. A man came up to him and said, hey, you one of them Galileans, right? You were with him. No, I don't know the man. Third time, I believe that he was using a little profanity. If you look at the Greek, he was very obnoxious. He said, no, I don't know the man. Here's the concept for us to be able to recognize this. We okay in saying God but we have a problem in saying Jesus. God is a general term. It, it is ambiguous at best. It can mean anybody or anything. But to say Jesus is specific. When we're in a group, do we shrink back and deny him? Hey, do you believe in Jesus? Yeah, I believe in God. Yeah, you just hear me. And I share with people, and I, when I pray for people, hey, pastor, can you, can you pray for me? Can you have God to bless me? Are you talking about Jesus? You want Jesus to bless you? Yeah, God. People act like they're afraid to say the name Jesus. Do you know that's the only name in which man can be saved? Do you know that the name itself means salvation? Yeshua in Hebrew means salvation. He is our salvation. He is our life. And we're going to deny him by, by saying God instead of saying Jesus. Who died for your sins? Jesus. Say it loud. Jesus. See, among us, we can say it real loud. What about if I'm around people who hate that name? Jesus 
Paul, Peter was around people who hated the name Jesus and he denied him. Do we deny him? Remember now the context here. When he denied him the third time, if you go to Luke 22, verse 61, you're going to see something that's so terrifying. When he denied him the third time, Jesus looked at him dead in his eye. The Bible says that he wept bitterly and ran. If we deny him, he looks dead in our eyes. You will feel the conviction in your soul. If you are born again, you will feel that conviction in your soul. Who are you denying? The very one who died for you. The very one who was willing to come and reconcile a relationship that we severed. The very one who can do something that you could not do for yourself. And we're afraid to say the name Jesus. I want to encourage you, say the name with boldness and confidence, without fear. So when we look at this passage of Scripture, we see Jesus has been raised and risen from the dead, right? He just accomplished a feat that no human being can do. He went to conquer death, and he succeeded. He got up. The Bible says the same power that got him up is the same power that resides within us. We live with power, but we don't access the power. We allow fear to come, and we shrink back. Jesus now is dealing with his disciples. They're out there trying to catch some fish. They ain't catching any fish. Jesus said, he, he hollers out to them, you catching any fish? No, we ain't catching them. Throw it on the other side. So they threw it on the other side. They caught 153 fish, not the little memos. I said memos, didn't I? You need to correct me on that when I say stuff like that. Minnows. But they caught big fish. So big that they had to drag it up, right? So now Jesus is cooking fish, and he got bread for him. He says, eat. So now he turns to Peter. He's getting ready to restore this fallen saint. Three things for restoration. First is adoration for Jesus. You need to love him fervently. You need to love him deeply. He needs to be a priority. He is your first Love. You remember in the book of Revelation in chapter 2 when he's looking with, with uh, the church at Ephesus. He said, all you think you're doing well, but you, you're lacking something. You have lost what? Your first love. When you lose love, you lose your motivation. You lose your intent of why you want to do. You lose your enthusiasm. You now wake up not knowing what to do because the lack of love. We must love him intently. We must love him and above any other human relationship. Mm. I just told you I'm a grandfather, right? I love my grandchildren. Any grandfathers in the house? 
Come on with me, somebody. Raise them up high. Y'all know y'all love your grandchildren. Don't you love your grandchildren? Say it, yeah. You know, have the kids, drop them off, tell the kids, bye, and leave the grandchildren, right? But come back to get them. Uh, well, we love our grandchildren. We love them. Here's the question. Do you love your grandchildren more than you love Jesus? Who said that? I'm liking you. Good job. Hey, you want to come up here for a minute? Right quick. Hurry up. Hurry up. Run, run. Come on. Hurry up. Run real quick. I like you. What's your name? Uh, Caleb. Caleb. Come on up here, Caleb. Now, do you love your mother and father more than you love Jesus? Oh. Okay, I just put you on the spot, didn't I? But you just said, okay, but anyway. Jesus has to be your top priority. If Jesus first, then you could be able to love them as you're supposed to, right? Because you love your, go, go sit down. to be kidding me, man. <laughs> you did good, though. I like you did good. But Jesus has to be the top priority, right? He has to be uh, because we cannot have good human relationships without how making him a priority. You do remember the Ten Commandments, right? The first four commandments deal with God, right? The other six deals with a relationship with us. He places four because you must have a relationship with him in order to have a good relationship with one another, he has to be the priority. And so he's telling Peter right now, do you love me, Peter? Do you love me more than these? He's talking about his disciples. Do you love me more than your family? Do you love me more than your children? Do you love me more than people who love you? Guess what he said? A resounding yes to all three times. Yes, yes, yes. Here's the thing that I didn't mention last time. This is what Peter said. You know that I love you. He says it three times. He knows that Jesus can read his heart. Do you know that Jesus can read your heart? He knows if you love him or not. Your words mean nothing if your heart is not in it. People can lie. That's why he says in Matthew 7, 20, 21, he says that just because you call me Lord, Lord, don't mean that you're going to enter the kingdom of God. Just because you said, does it mean anything? He said, those who do the will of my Father. Expression means everything. The expression of my love. And I'm going to get to the second part. The second part is this. The first part is the adoration of love. The second part is the affirmation to Jesus. How do I affirm that love? By committing and doing what he's called for me to do. What did he call for Jesus? Uh, what did Jesus call for Peter to do? Tend to my sheep. Tend to my lambs. Shepherd my flock. He called him to be a shepherd. Called him to be a pastor. He called him to protect them, to share truth, to be able to provide for them, to keep them safe by eliminating things and sharing truth, to feeding them the word of God. That's his purpose. That's why, and in order to do that, he says in 1 Peter 5, you must show, don't lord your position over them, but be examples to them. 
as a pastor, I have to be an example to the flock. I just can't sit in my ivory tire and, and share the word of God and tell you to go do it. I'm sitting up there not doing anything. Jesus never did that. And so what I, I will not do that. And he talks about in verses 18 and 19 this concept of affirming my love to Christ is to love him and to affirm him by serving him till I die. Did he say in verse 19 that you will glorify me in your death? He just don't want you to glorify him while you're living and breathing, but when you die, he wants you to die glorifying him. There was one person that I know in the Bible, in the book of Acts, that glorified uh, glorified him like any other. His name was Stephen. Stephen, now in order to glorify God, understand this, you cannot be in the flesh because you're not going to glorify him in the flesh. Sorry, it's not going to have to buy. Our flesh is contrary to God's will, and we're not going to do it. We'll shrink back. We will deny like, like Peter denied. We will run instead of stay. Here's, P, here's Stephen. The Bible says that every time you see Stephen, right, he's always described as fear with what? With who? The Holy Spirit. So in order to glorify God all the way to the point of death, we must be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, guess what? Peter, I mean, Stephen was being... Stoned to death. Can you stand there and take stones? No. Our natural intention, our natural reflexes is to move and to run. That's our flesh because we want to try to protect ourselves. We want to run from pain instead of enduring pain. God is not going to help us to run from pain. He will help us to endure pain. He stood there being stoned, and listen to what he said. The Bible says in a loud voice, Father, don't count this sin against them. Who can say that? But one who loves God so much that he surrendered himself. Who who was that again? Okay, you got, y'all got children over there, don't you? <laughs> but the aspect of it is, are we surrendering to him so the spirit can feel us? You can only happen if you have the humility to allow that to happen. And we must allow that to happen in order for us to affirm our calling. Third thing, there is the adoration for Jesus. There is the affirmation of doing the things he wants, but then there has to be the adherence to his word. We look at verses 21 to 23. You see these verses. You see that after Jesus told him in verse 20, I mean, verse 19, at the end he says, follow me. Verse 20, immediately the Bible says, he turned and looked at John. Here's the natural tendency for people in the church is to lose our focus. He just told us to follow him, emphatically to follow him. He didn't tell you to look at what Mary's doing or what John is doing. It's what he called for you to do. What about this man? 
We have a problem today in the church. We lose our focus too quickly because we're looking at everything outside of the church as though we can fix it. The Bible tells me in the book of uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 5, there was a person in the, in the church that was having sex with his father's wife. Now, the concept of that is this, is that when we get to the end of that chapter, Paul is saying this to the church. Why are you worried about everybody outside of the church when he wants us to focus on in? God will judge the people outside. He wants us to take care of the people within. We need to encourage and support one another. Four perspectives I want to share you about adhering to the word of God. The first perspective is this. We can get the right perspective of service. The right perspective of service is just doing what God tells you to do. Quit looking to the left or the right. Quit worrying about what somebody else is doing. If I continue to look at other pastors, I lose focus on what he's called for me to do. Do you know that Bridge of Hope is not assigned to do what faith does as far as service is concerned? You saw what we do. Y'all don't do that. You haven't been called to do that. We've been called to do that. That's why you support us to do that. All churches do not have the same ministry, just as all parts of the body don't have the same ministry. But we're all under the same head. And we take our orders from the head. When we first started Bridge of Hope, I started mimicking other churches. And God said, no, why are you doing that? You're not them. You're in a different context. You have to focus on this group of people right here. They're in a different context. They have to focus on this group of people right there. So I focus on, we focus on what God has called for us to do. And we want to perfect that under the guidance of the Holy Spirit and the Word of God. We want to do it in a way that brings God glory. I'm not trying to do anything else other than what God has called for us to do. And that is to deal with the marginalized in our community. That's what he called for us to do. And he calls to do anything else. That's why we deal with homeless people. That's why we deal with people in poverty. That's why we deal uh, with prostitutes. That's why we deal with people in sex trafficking. That's why we deal with people who struggle with drugs and alcohol. People like myself. That's why we struggle. That's why we deal with people who struggle and live in poverty. God wants those people to know how valuable they are. That's the second part. Have the right perspective on sinners. Quit condemning people as though you're God. These are image bearers created in the image of God, just like you and I. They, they are lost, just like we were. They're still valuable in the sight of God. They have, they have dignity. They have purpose. They have worth. They have honor. Why? Because they're created in the image of God. Guess what? When Jesus was dying, he just didn't die for you. He repeated this phrase over and over while he's being raised. Father, forgive them for the what? 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 How come we forget that? You just said it. For they know not what they do, but we forget that. As though they know what they're doing, they don't. We need to love them, not condemn them. They need hope. 
like we needed hope. They're confused. Their hearts are deceitful. They're being manipulated by their feelings and their emotions. Satan is doing his job. We need to do ours. Right perspective on service, the right perspective on saints, on, on sinners. We need the right perspective on saints too. We do not compete with one another. We don't do that. We encourage one another. We love and support one another. We show love. To, we tell one another the truth out of love. We don't gossip. We don't slander. But we create relationships, intimate relationships, so we can be an example to the world. Jesus said that you would know my disciples how, but how they love what? Not being divided, not being hostile toward one another. We see this now, even now, in the body of Christ. Last thing. We see we get the right perspective on service, the right perspective on sinners, the right perspective on saints, but we need the right perspective on Scripture. Jesus did not say that John will live forever. That's how people took it, though. They misquoted Jesus. How many times have you misquoted Jesus? Let me just share something with you. This, this is nowhere in the Bible. God helps those who help themselves. It's not in the Bible. If you take two steps, God will take one. Where is that? We have a misunderstanding of Scripture because we don't read Scripture as we should. We need to read Scripture as we're supposed to read scripture. When when I'm supposed to be due, Logan? Logan. I'm done? How how much time I got? I got two minutes? Thank you so much. God bless your heart. (laughs) I'm going to give you theology one-on-one in two minutes. No, I am not. (laughs) But the aspect of it all is that scripture is the voice of God. And we need to learn the voice of God and what he says. That means we need to be like Martha, Mary, sitting at the feet of Jesus as much as we possibly can so we can get our marching orders. So I know how to adore him, how to affirm that love, and how to adhere what he's telling me. Let me pray with you. Father, we just love you beyond what we can imagine. And it's based on the fact that you loved us and, and, and you gave us the capacity to love. I pray that we can submit to your spirit so we can show you the love that only you give us. Help us to go outside of ourselves. Help us to submit to your spirit that we can love you the way that you want us to love. That we can serve you the way that you want us to serve. And that we can adhere and understand scripture to understand your voice so we can be the church that you have called for us to be. Father, bless the people in this room. Lay your hands upon them and love them. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.